the marinade. There's no O in marinade. Let's try it one more time. Ready? One, <laughs> two, three. <laughs> the marinade. Marrow. Marrow. Marinade. Bone marinade. The marinade. The marinade. With Jason Earl. Welcome to The Marinade with Jason Earl, a free-flowing conversation about the creative process with creative people. This is episode 59, and our guest is Brian Fallon. Brian is best known as the lead singer and principal songwriter of the band The Gaslight Anthem. He also has an excellent project called The Horrible Crows and wonderful solo records, including his most recent release, Local Honey, which is a gorgeous collection of songs. Local Honey was released in March 2020, and you can order physical copies at brianfallon.net or from your local record store. It is a huge honor to talk with Brian, and I'm incredibly grateful for this opportunity. Everyone, my conversation with Brian Fallon. so much for your patience i don't i don't know why we reverted maybe because we're talking about 80s era uh, bob dylan that we reverted back to the 80s and your your fucking phone was busy i don't understand what just happened i never i never heard a busy signal in 20 years i, I know. know i know it's so it's weird all right, all right well. i never that's a good i wish i could use that on command though to you know people call you don't want to talk to and then you just hit the button and it busy signals them there's gotta that's be the most a, frustrating thing in the world. There's gotta be an app. There has to be an app. I would I'm gonna I'm gonna look it up after after this. I'm gonna find out the busy signal app. Yeah. That'd be I, great. Or we can develop it. This is our get rich quick uh plan. And then you can make <laughs> your record where you lead off uh with a seven minute long song like Street Legal. 
If I did that, well, I mean, I feel like Sturgill did that, didn't he? Yeah, right. But yeah, he did a whole record, I feel like, of yeah. <laughs> one long song. It's pretty funny. Yeah. I mean, you got to be, I think you got to be Sturgill level or Bob Dylan level to get away with that, though. Yeah. Yep. I don't know. I think you could pull it off. I tell you what, um, Local Honey is my favorite thing you've done. And I definitely, if you have time, if we end up having time, uh, I want to talk about that too. But. Um, yeah. cause it's just, I think it's a damn near perfect record, man. It's, I, I haven't stopped listening to it. Thank you. I appreciate it. It's a, uh, it was a pain in the neck to <laughs> finish. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I want to talk about that too, but, um, let's kind of, for folks listening, kind of recap how we ended up here. You put something on Twitter about, uh, Bob Dylan's sort of mid period, so to speak records, and specifically, you named Infidels, Street Legal, and Oh Mercy. Um, and then we connected, and here we are. And uh, I really appreciate your time and your energy. It's been super fun to go down the road of listening to those records that I wasn't necessarily all that familiar with. Um, but yeah. then when I dove in, I realized, oh, shit, I know this song. Oh, I know this song. Oh, I know this song. I just hadn't necessarily listened to them in that context. And it's so interesting to hear a song, for example, like Joker Man, in the context of infidels versus just how I knew it before. Um, so what was going on that moment when you tweeted that, like what brought us here? Well, uh, well, I'm, I'm, I'm big on, on the, the records in the, in the mid period that, uh, you know, they kind of get overlooked. Like everyone, um, everyone talks about the same old thing over and over again. And like, there's like this, uh, like, I don't think I can handle another discourse on Dark Side of the Moon. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, I, I get it. Like, I get it. But there's no new info coming up. And I think that, you know, there's a lot of stuff in the middle period. But, like, rock and roll is a weird a weird game where um, I guess, like, probably for the last, like, five years, I would probably say that I've been looking at artists' careers in their mid-periods because I find... I, I keep reading these things about people talking about like they, they they peaked at a certain age or they or they ran out of songs, you know, or whatever. And um, so na- in my head, you know, naturally being in that age group uh, of of like thirty five to forty, I, I go, well, that can't be possible, you know. Mm-hmm. And so I started like a little bit of like a neurotic mission mm-hmm. to prove myself and my insecurities wrong. That's where this really started from, and that that was four years ago. Mm. Um, you, you, you know, and to see, is that true or is that not true? Can that be disproven? And I've been, I've been finding some real home runs with, with this and not only Bob Dylan, but I've, I found a few things. So that's where the tweet was coming from that, that there's a lot of like mid period stuff that gets ignored. Well, it does get ignored and it's interesting going back and revisiting it because those three records are very different and, and I don't think of them in the same way that I do think of the sort of canonical Dylan records. And maybe I'm, I'm mischaracterizing them in that way, but you know, if I don't, when I think about the, the, the ones that are in the canton and I think about free will and, and I think about blood on the tracks and, you know, those things come to mind, but, but what's interesting for me, and I want to hear your thoughts because I know you came to Dylan very differently than I did. I didn't get like nobody around me was listening to Dylan. I'm about your age and nobody yeah. like was listening to Dylan. I didn't have like 
you know, my cool uncle was like turning me on to Skinner and the Almond Brothers and the Eagles. There was no mention of Dylan, and my dad was listening to bluegrass. Um, but you kind of, so I, I got into him in time out of mind like that. I almost like oh, contemporary. Wow. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Contemporaneously. Yeah, so we would have both been in like mid high school, I guess. About I was graduating high school. I remember when that came out. Yeah. So uh, I graduated in 99. So. Yeah. 98 for me. So okay. one year earlier. All right. Yeah. So that's, you know, when that record came out, um, I, I heard it in real time. I was at the record store and I heard a song and I was like, who the fuck is this? You know, I knew who Dylan yeah. was, but that Dylan is so different from the other Dylan and, and what we're talking about. But you kind of grew up on that stuff, right? Big time. Yeah. My mom was all about it. It was just like, you know, Bob Dylan and hymns and that, that was it. Like there was like maybe a few mentions of, you know, like there was a, the other, like there was a couple other things around, but like, you know, I heard a Bob Dylan record probably before, oof, man, maybe maybe before I could talk, mm. you know. So that was a thing, like, she was always interested. But my mom was, a, a like, a folk singer in the same, in the same time. Mm-hmm. Is the, the exploration that you've done, um, looking at those mid-periods, uh, has that, translated into your own creative process oh sure definitely because i think that it, it's a little a little bit of a roadmap of you know where you can go and where not to go and that kind of thing um because like i feel the one thing where that i've i've never felt like much of a bob dylan parallel between my life and his you know or his work in my life i've never felt like the connection mm-hmm. between um those two things like i just don't think we're we're at all similar but um the 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 one thing i do find a connection with is somewhere in that period i guess from you know i guess street legal probably all the way through maybe you have to move a couple records out like i think you have to take like down in the groove and saved and knocked out loaded and all that you have to take that out and empire burlesque you have to take those out um of consideration, but like the, the records like Oh Mercy and Infidels and, and Street Legal and even up to Time Out of Mind, that, that those are the records that I think I heavily identify with those records on a personal level, sometimes more than the earlier records. And, and that's not, that's not true for now. Like, I think that I identified with some of these records more immediately as soon as I knew that they were existing. Why do you, th- what do you think that is? Like, where does that come from? Well, I think that there was like a certain sense of, um, like there was a certain, like, I don't want to say arrogance, but I have to mm. in his early work. There was like, he knew that he was the dude. He knew that he was like touched by the hand of, of God, of, you know, of like musical geniuses. Like he, it was Elvis Presley and it was him and it was the Beatles. And like, it was these people that defined and changed the generations, you know, permanently. And he was well aware of that. Like you can tell, you know, by, by listening to the music or the way the things he said, he, you could, you could sort of surmise that he was aware of his effect on, you'd have to be a fool not to be. And he certainly wasn't a fool, you know? Right. So for me, it was like watching Superman 
be Superman. You'd be like, well, yeah, it's cool, but you know, you're Superman. That's why you could do that. <laughs> right. And I'm not right. trying to discredit. Like I'm not trying to discredit anything. But like when I see a bird fly around the backyard, I go, that's cool. But if I see Superman do it, I'm like, well, of course, it's Superman. Yeah. Like you sort of expect these feats from them. Um, and not to say that that discredits what it is. It's just not relatable. You right. know, like it's like there's a few records in the world, like I like the Beatles records or, or, or Born to Run or something. You know, like those aren't relatable records because they're ginormous. Not, I'm not from a musician point of view. Right. I'm not trying to say they're not relatable in a in a listener point of view, but like to set out to say like, I'm going to write a song as good as that. You're like, you can't, there's no chance. But in that period, when he came around with these, with these other records, there was like, there's more, there's something human in there that I found where it's almost like he like let the the Dylan down. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like he let the curtain down a little bit. I think after that saved period, mm-hmm. he was kind of like, yeah, I don't know about this or whatever, you know, but he like to say like a song, like most of the time, that's mm. pretty bare, you know, and, and it's not clever. That's the one thing. It's none of them, none of them are, are, are hyperly aware of themselves by like, you know, like some of the songs are such wordplay that you can almost hear him joking and laughing on, on the, on the recordings. And you can, I, I almost think that he like knew he was being clever, mm. you know? Whereas like this stuff, it doesn't sound like that. And and you got to remember, people counted them out. Like mm-hmm. after, after some of the, I'm trying. I don't know what year it was, but like I know by Empire Burlesque and Shot of Love and Knocked Out Loaded, they were like, "Nah, you're done." They're like, "This guy's a has been." Do you so much to unpack? That there. makes sense. It makes a ton of sense. Do you think? I, I want to revisit what you said there about. Um, about like you're not as a musician as a songwriter you don't you don't shoot necessarily for born to run because it is so it is so monumental um yeah have you been aware of that kind of like because you're a damn fine songwriter yourself so when you see these song when you see these records that are so enormous right in scope and scale and depth do you have you always been able to go, uh, I'm not going for that. I'm not shooting for that. Or are, have you tried to achieve that and then felt like maybe you didn't get there? Well, I don't feel like, I always felt like maybe there was something, you know, like in those where you, you sort of like stumble on magic, but I've never really like sat down and been like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to write a song as good as this or a record as good as this because Mm -hmm. I don't, I, I, that, I find that daunting already. I feel like I've already failed before I've done it. Mm. Um, you know what I mean? Like it, like I couldn't even start out to think like, you know, how would I write, you know, the, meet the Beatles. Like, how do I write a record as good as that? Even now I hear those songs and I hear Dylan's early songs. Like one, one in particular that always sort of like gets me is, uh, like subterranean homesick blues like that one like i've i thought to myself like well that's like it's kind of like a wordy thing over like you know like a like a blues shuffle i'm like you could probably try something like that and see what it would sound like right. i don't think so though i don't think that's a good idea because every time i've sat down and been like well what is this it sounds like garbage <laughs> are those i know I've, you I've tried. is that you saying that or have you brought those songs to other people and they're like nah you're not there yet 
no, I'm not fool enough to bring them to other people. <laughs> I have, I'm a, I'm a great editor. If I, I mean, I might be a better editor than I am, you know, like anything else as far as like, you know, knowing when that might not be the thing. Right. How, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. What, what are you going to say? Well, I think that like sometimes, you know, in, in, in my experience, like with me, the people, they always would say that they'd be like, well, maybe it is pretty good. And then I send it to them and then I'm, they're like, no, nah, like, I like, I told you that. Why'd you waste that step? <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> like his producers always want to say that, like, bring it in. There might be something salvageable in there. And I'm like, there's nothing salvageable. I've been doing it for a long time. Don't yeah, is, is, is that kind of inclination um you being the editor that you are did that lead to local honey being difficult to finish yeah because i knew that it i knew that it had to be so direct and 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 straightforward that it, that's a difficult thing to do and i also you know with my music there's just one thing that i've really learned making this record i learned something very important to my to my own i think sanity mm-hmm. is that like my music is not the kind of music that you sit down and just anybody goes, hey, do I like it or do I not? I feel like some people, like, they they get it and they look at it and they take it into their lives and they say, wow, you know, this is like, I can really put myself in here. And then some people, they just can't get past the fact that they think that they're like, they're the cynicism about it because there's nothing about, what I do that is like inherently cool and there's nothing that's like I'm not like an edgy guy like I don't have like the new take on the on the whatever hot topic is out like obviously hot topic is probably a dumb word to use but I don't know any better Mm. like it's not like I'm just not cool I've never been good at it I've never been good at it in high school I was bad at it Mm. so like I don't have the the like I don't know, like somebody like, like Dylan or, you know, another good example is like Margot Price. She's really good. And Dylan's really good at being edgy, like having that, that cutting take, you know, like they can say something that'll cut through. I don't know. It's like, it's like a skill or a talent or something. You you know what I'm trying to say? Like if you, like a song, like, uh, like, like you know, Masters of War would have that, or even Joker Man. That that has that. There's like a few lines in there where it really saws you in half. It's like a razor blade, and I've just never had that. So I think like with my stuff, like you sort of have to buy into the thing first. Like you have to sort of go like, all right, you know, what's this guy gonna talk about? All right, he's gonna talk about his feelings or whatever. And like, you know, I'm either into that. I'm gonna get on this train. Because if you start analyzing every little thing that I say and you start going like, well, you know, why is he talking about his kid in his pajamas? Like, that's not cool. That doesn't live in Brooklyn. Yeah, like it doesn't live in Brooklyn because I don't live in Brooklyn. I'm 40 years old and I got kids and they school around in their pajamas. And that's what makes me, I don't know, that makes me feel stuff. Like, don't listen to my record. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's what I'm trying to say. that's, That's the thing about my stuff. Whereas Bob Dylan's probably not going to write a song about his kids scooting around in his pajamas. He's well, probably going to blow your mind with some topical knowledge. <laughs> I think that that's so interesting. I guess I think there was, um, I remember when Chris Cornell really started releasing his solo records and they're just like these devastatingly beautiful records. But at the time I was like, this, I was a little bit younger and then I, yeah. I, I wasn't ready for it, you know? And so I thought at the time I was like, this is, 
you know, I don't want to hear him talk about his kids or whatever. But now when I listen to, for example, when I listen to Local Honey, um, I mean, that song you just mentioned makes me cry. Like, and I don't have kids, but still, it. I found myself in tears listening to it this morning. And that's... Yeah, me too, man. When I was writing it, I was crying like crazy when I was writing it. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, man, and, and thank you for it for so many reasons. But I, I realized when I did that, I was like, you know, I haven't had a good... Um, a good cry just because I was moved by something outside of my existence in a while. Like I've had, I've had, you know, panic attack kind of cry <laughs> recently, but I haven't yeah. had like, you know, something that I was completely removed of somebody else's art that doesn't reference anything that's directly related to my life that moved me in that way. And I think th- that happened to me because um, one of the things that, you know, I don't know how you want to characterize it, but I think what does connect people to your music and what connects with this particular record is there there is something instantly recognizable about your songs. I just interviewed um, Ben Nichols from Lucero, and we were talking about uh, the the Lucero ness of Lucero. How like there's something just <laughs> so it, it's hard to characterize, right? But there's something completely instantly yeah, recognizable. Right it's they have an innate thing it's like that's called that you know what that's called it's called having a style it's mm. a unique style that's mm. what it is it's like but nowadays you know people will that's what i'm trying to say to you is that a lot of people will criticize you for the very thing that makes you unique like mm. they'll say they use words like it's too on brand or it's too which first i think that's a disgusting word for music yeah. or art in general like you know, there's like, they always say like, it's, oh yeah, that's Dylan being Dylan or that's so Bob Dylan of him to be, you know, like, like these kind of things that people say to me, like, that's not in my world. That doesn't exist. I don't, I reject that wholeheartedly mm-hmm. because that's cynicism. That's what it is. Like, what do you mean? You want, do you want Bob Dylan to do like a record that sounds like LCD sound system? I don't think you do. But then there's people that would raise their hand just to be contrary and then say, well, I think that's kind of interesting. Well, sure you do, because you're just contrary. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's what you're doing. Like, Which, if that's what you like, then God bless you. But in all, leave us alone. Let us be what we are. You know what I mean? We're not trying to, like, I don't I don't need to be on the basketball team. Leave me alone. Don't pick me. You know, I just don't. <laughs> like, I don't want to be, I feel like it's high school a lot of the times, and it really drives me crazy. Because there's beauty to be had if you don't get cynical. You know, this is. Yeah. Sorry. 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 No. Do, when you say that, do you mean you feel like that within the industry, or you th- or you feel like that within just sort of the greater art community, including consumers of art? No, I don't feel that with consumers. That see, that's the thing. Like the people in the art community, like the artists and the community of 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 listeners, even more so. I feel the opposite of that. I feel like they're so open mm. to these things, and they're so open to sharing. Um, I just had this really cool thing where I took a guitar lesson from uh, Julian Lage. You know who I'm talking about? Mm-mm. He's like a jazz player. Mm-mm. And like, I don't think we played guitar for more than two seconds. We were talking the whole time just about art and like how like your, your journey is not like anyone else's journey. And like, no one can really like tell you like how to get to your place. And it was so like inspiring to hear him talk. And and to sort of just like connect on this like universal level of creation and like creating things and how weird that is in general. 
but uh like it takes a certain you know openness the the way that i feel that a lot of the times is by you know just like the music industry and i don't mean critics i mean like i mean critics label whatever they they like you know it's it's a weird thing and i think that that's what kind of happened to these these dylan records that's why people sort of like I guess it was too real for them. He was being too real, like too normal. Not real, but normal. He was being too normal. Yeah, yeah, there's nothing real about that guy. He's he's so otherworldly, I feel like. But the the Infidels yeah. record kind of gets to what you were saying when you said you said something like um, you know, do you want Bob Dylan to make a LCD sound system record? You probably don't. And that was my one criticism and I am not a very good critic. I typically don't say much if I don't like something because yeah. because of a lot of the reasons you just mentioned. If if it doesn't hit with me, then it just doesn't hit with me, right? It's just not it's okay if it doesn't hit with me. It's not um maybe it wasn't made for me. And it, and it, I don't feel comfortable with criticism of art in that way. Also because most of the people I'm listening to, even if I'm not crazy about it, I can't I can't do that. That thing that they do. Um, on that level and so even as I say what I'm about to say I I say it with like a a hint of reservation which is Infidels which was produced by Mark Knopfler feels to me like Dylan fronting Dire Straits and I I didn't know Knopfler produced it when I first listened to it I was just like man something doesn't sound right here something isn't connecting with my ears um I, I, as I did the research, I was like, oh, well, I guess that makes sense. That's why it, I did not connect with it. But I, I don't think other than in the context of this conversation, I would ever like write a piece about that because I don't find that fucking interesting, right? That I don't like yeah. it. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> well, sure. I, I think that, but I, I do think that there is a place for that. Like, I think that if you were to say to Bob Dylan, you know, he releases this record and that's not moving you, and you, you know, I don't know, you worked at, at some, some place like to be a critic. I think that it's not fair for you to say, well, I like this kind of music and Bob Dylan's not doing that kind of music. And that's where I think he should be in his career. So therefore I don't like anything Mm -hmm. he does other than what I think. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is a thing that's not, that's not sort of like, I think that that's just not reasonable. Like it's not reasonable. Like, like here. um, So, so actually for, for just to touch on this point, um, now, mind you, I, I might be one of the only musicians that is a pro-critic musician. Like, mm-hmm. I, I enjoy following writers online. I enjoy, like, I enjoy interacting with them. Like, obviously, I don't like it when they write bad stuff about me, but I accept it, and I can still be friends with them, even though they do, you know, and that's fine with me. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, but but here, here, just to touch on this point, so, you know, like, there was a bunch of of of, of people that – you know, like, like, okay, so the enemy, right? So the, this guy, Graham Locke from the enemy, he's a writer, he was a writer during this time. And he wrote, uh, you know, Dylan is a, a culturally spent force, a confused man trying to rekindle old fires. Okay, so now take that. So this guy just broadly brushes off Bob Dylan in a, in a, in one stroke. He says, you're a spent force. Don't even, you're not even a valid thing anymore. And you're confused trying to rekindle old fires. Now, here's what makes me mad about that. Because where on this record, you just said, this sounds like Dylan fronting Dire Straits. What other time 
this doesn't sound anything like the free will in Bob Dylan. And right. I feel like I'm an expert. Uh, like I had before I had teeth, I had the free will in Bob Dylan. Mm-hmm. Like this isn't, you know, like that's not a fair assessment. That's basically someone saying like, I don't like this. So now I'm going to destroy it, you know, and it's just not, I don't know. That's not fair. I think. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sticking, why am I sticking up for Bob Dill? I don't know. <laughs> it clearly, <laughs> clearly it, that is an interesting thing too. Cause I, I, I find myself guilty sometimes of if I, uh, and, and, and I have these conversations with myself too and try to work through it is that if I like something and somebody else really doesn't like it or just completely, um, it completely dismisses it for some reason i feel like it's a uh some sort of like uh a commentary about my taste or something and, and then it yeah. just becomes personal even though it has nothing to do with me yeah i don't know i don't know it's like a weird like thing like you why know? do I, I really really don't know like why do i care if somebody else likes sturgill for example you know, or, or why do I care? Yeah, I know. You know, like <laughs> I'm sure Jason Isbell's doing fine and it does frustrate me that he's not on country radio, but, but really, I mean, well, not on the, the way that like, you know, uh, not on a mainstream country radio, the way that Florida Georgia line well, is or whatever, or you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess I, I honestly, I don't keep up in that way, you know, cause I'm, cause I just yeah. seek out what I want to listen to. Um, I think that, but Jason's a good example of of that thing where he seems to have rejected that pursuit of of trying to please those people. Like, and that that's what I think Dylan does great. And I think that's like something that is necessary. You have to reject the people that that don't want to accept you on on kind of like I think that that's not a fair term is to say like you know. Like what that guy said, that he's a culturally spent force. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, or if somebody's not going to play him on the radio, Jason or Bob or whatever, that you have to sort of reject that. You can't. I don't yeah. think you can try to please. Them. Well, the the culturally spent force thing. I mean, I think that's the interesting question about uh, music criticism or art criticism in general, or art commentary for that matter, is that. Um, Sometimes you have to be careful, like as someone who writes about records, uh, I try to be careful not to make it about my writing. Like that sounds like a guy who was trying to make it more, and I haven't read the piece. I'm just taking out of context what you just said. Sounds to me like someone who is um, trying to, to, to push their own art by sort of leaning on someone else's art and that's the balance as, as a, an art commentator in any, any way is that, uh, my goal is to uplift the art. Um, and if I sound smart in, in that context, cool, but I'm not trying to sound smart. Does that make any sense? Like I'm not trying to show off how, how interesting I am. I'm trying to show off all this art that I believe in. And then if I end up also being able to express myself artistically, that's an awesome byproduct. Yeah, but that's that's what you have to do in every form of art, though, in order to be good at it. Like, you can't flex your muscles. You have to sort of mm. go, you know, you have to sit down and say, like, I'm going to write this thing that may be perceived as cheesy or corny by other people, but, like, that's that's what I mean. And would you rather have something that was false and, and you know, and, you know, well-crafted, or would you rather have the truth? And I feel like that's why I like these Bob Dylan records better than the, 
maybe even sometimes now better than uh, other ones because, you know, like, like, I don't know. I mean, for me, if you're going like people are going to get so mad at me for saying this, but like, if you're going like head to head, like, you know, people say the big favorite is blood on the tracks, right? Mm-hmm. But if you're saying blood on the tracks versus time out of mind, I think it's no contest time out of mind. I'm with but people, you. Yeah, some people are going to probably, I think that you, I just heard blood vessels explode on the other end of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> like people are just going to be so mad for me saying, but I'm not trying to say that to be contrary. I'm just saying like, I understand that blood on the tracks is, is kind of a, is is it's like a, it's a good record, but like I don't think it's as weighty as some of the other stuff. Like I just I don't know. I didn't feel that one as much, you know. Like I thought I thought the song "Don't Think Twice, It's All Right" would have stood stronger than the whole record of of Blood on the Tracks. Yeah, well, you know, it, it just said I don't. Know. N- yeah, I, I I agree with you. And so they can come after both of us if they want. If they want, um, in a couple of weeks when this comes out, maybe we'll both have our mentions full on Twitter. But um, yeah, it's gonna be tough. Yeah, <laughs> but time out of mind. I agree. I agree. I'd I'd put it toe to toe against almost anything, except maybe maybe free willing. I mean, I think that is well. The first three records, I think you can't touch. Yeah, really. yeah. You know, like there, there's a lot. Like the you know times they are changing. Like that changed the world. That yeah, changed true. the whole true, world. True, true, true. Maybe not the first Dylan record though. I think maybe like records three because I think it was two, three, and four. Those are the ones, because Highway 60, is it Highway 61 or Blonde on Blonde? Which one's the, four, uh, the the fourth one? Oh, I don't know. I don't know which one comes first. But now that you're saying all this, now that I'm thinking about it, yeah, those are unassailable. Yeah, like it's not the first Dylan one. The first one's just called Bob Dylan, and then and then it's and then it's Time Out of Mind, or not Time Out of Mind, uh, Times Are Changing. Mm-hmm. Which, so that one, Freewheeling, and, uh, and, and I'm going to say blonde on blonde, uh, I think whatever record that is, but mm-hmm. I think that's the one bringing it all back home. Not so much though. It's got good songs, but blonde on blonde, those three records, like you can't, I, I don't think you can do a better record than that. You know, that's like meet the Beatles. You can't really touch that. Right. Um, dude, this has been such a pleasure and I know you got to go here in a minute, but we usually end with, um, what you're consuming art wise at the moment. Um, so are you still lost in those records, those mid period records, or what are you fired up about right now? Not necessarily, it doesn't have to be music either. Like could be a film you've seen recently or a book you've read. That's really got you fired up. Um, well, I've been going like into, um, for me, I've been like chasing down some, like, I guess you want to call it jazz records, but like, I've been going into like the Nina Simone catalog quite a bit uh-huh. and trying to like, um, sort of like get the, the musicality out of it. So I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm not listening to it as like a observer. I'm listening to it as a participant. So I'm trying to like, like sort of excavate these like chord progressions and melodies and find out why different relations worked. And, and it's a real like study of, of like what the musicians were doing during on her records to create like these sort of beds for her to just like absolutely rip on, you know, yeah. like she, because I think that that's an important thing is to like they they're masters of laying back, you know, mm. and like just just the melodies that she came up with. I'm just sort of doing like this personal study of of her music. I don't really know why, but well, because you mentioned you mentioned guitar lessons um, recently, yeah. right? So like, is is it overall a jazz bent? Like, are you are you writing songs that kind of have a, a jazz lean to them or anything like that? 
No, not even. Like, I'm just sort of learning them now. So, like, I have a big thing. One thing I learned from Dylan is you write and then you live and then you write and then you live. So, mm. like, right now, I'm just kind of living and I'm sort of absorbing all these things. And, like, I'm even, like, taking the, um, like, Nina Simone did a, a song called Lilac Wine for an old traditional. Mm-hmm. Um, and and Jeff Buckley also covered it on Grace. And, mm. uh, and I'm sort of piecing those two things together, like, how they translated and... I don't know if that if I would call that jazz, but I guess it's something like that. Mm. I tell you what, it's, it's a chord progressions I've never used. Oh, that's fun, man! I mean, that could end up yeah. unlocking something, uh, something completely different too. Totally. Like I think that you know, you you now this has sort of set me off though the whole the whole like doing the record the the local honey record like I was, when I was sort of looking into it I was like okay you know that's it I'm jumping ship I'm just like I'm, I'm going for this. For, I need to explore these things that have been kicking around since I was a child, I, and I can't like I can't be I can't be hearing what anyone else wants me to do or anything like that. I just got to do this. So, man, I had like a real mid-period Tom Waits kind of moment. That's so wonderful, <laughs> man. I'm glad you did. And, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I do, and I'm I'm so glad you did. I I I think I've followed your career for a long time, and I, I'm a fan of your music, and I I mean all the stuff like the, the gaslight stuff, the horrible crows stuff. Um, I, I, your, your solo records, but I think this is, this is my favorite thing you've done, man. Local honey is Thank my favorite you. thing I, you've done. Thank you. I mean, I, it's to me so far, it was the most immediately satisfying when I was finished. Oh, wow. Like I stepped back and I was like, Whew. I was like, okay, like that's, that's done. It's that's done. Awesome. I don't need to do anything to it. It was cool. And it, but it really opened up um, like a door in my mind. It was like, I don't know, like people say they have like a, you know, like a religious calling or something and they know that they're like, I'm supposed to be a pastor. And I felt like when I finished the record and like drove home with it, I was like, oh yeah, this is what I've been, this is what I'm supposed to do with my life, you know? Yeah. Like just explore all this stuff. Like, what is this, you know? Because I've already done the other thing as best as I could do it. So when you Mm. feel it's... It's when you feel that you haven't achieved something, it, then you have to keep digging at it. But the weird thing with me is like when you feel that you've achieved the pinnacle of your ability, like if my goal was if I was a runner and my goal was to win the Olympics, well, I've won the Olympics for myself, you know? Right. Like I feel like the things that we set out to do as a band, we won. Like we did it. Mm-hmm. And there's no, there's no, to me, I know this is going to make so many people upset, but like if I won the Olympics, right? You know what I wouldn't do? I wouldn't go to the town fair and run around the block for everybody and go, look at my medal from 2009. Mm. I just don't want to do that. Like, I don't, I don't like that. I don't think that that's, that's not helping anybody or and it's not helping me, you know, kind of explore what else is in life. And I think if Dylan sat there and tried to write the times they are changing 50 times over, it would just be an embarrassment at a point. Mm. And I don't want to do that. I don't want to get to the point where it becomes an embarrassment. Man. I love that. I love that sentiment. Um, I love that attitude. I love that take on Dylan and I love your record and I'm so grateful for your time. <laughs> Thank you, man. I appreciate it. That's no, no problem. I, I appreciate it. It's a good time talking to you. Oh, good. All right, man. Take care. All right. You too. Be good. Thank you. I will. All right. All right. Bye. Bye-bye. And maybe someday we'll get used to all this rain tumbling like the money through my hands and maybe they'll call say we made a big mistake 
And you and I will get our wings Cause Brian Fallon, y'all, thank you so much for sharing your time, knowledge, and energy with us, Brian. I had a blast researching and recording this episode. Everyone, the song you're hearing is Lonely For You Only off of Local Honey. I can't recommend it enough. The The record is beautiful. He did a wonderful job with these songs, and uh, I, I just highly recommend that you give it a listen and then grab a physical copy at brianfallon.net. Uh, or at your local record store. This was such an interesting um, episode to put together because we approached it differently than normal. Usually I would uh, think of questions that pertain to creative process specifically, but this one was focused on Bob Dylan. So I listened to uh, a ton of Dylan, which is something I always enjoy, but don't do very often because Dylan can can feel overwhelming at times. Um, his catalog is vast and the songs are so complex. His life story is, is robust. Uh, and this gave me an opportunity to, to deep dive into a few records that I hadn't really spent time with. I go back to Time Out of Mind a lot. I go back to Free Will and Bob Dylan. Uh, I go back to Blood on the Tracks. Um, I, do, I go back to, to my comfort food with Dylan and don't branch out very often. So... I took on this challenge of, of listening to these records, and I'm so glad that I did. Uh, if you like what you heard in this conversation and you don't already, please follow The Marinade on Twitter, Instagram, and or Facebook. Just search at Marinade Podcast, marinadepodcast.com for all things Marinade, including written pieces like a recent review I published of American Aquarium's brand new Shooter Jennings produced album, Lamentations, which is wonderful, uh, as well as my ranking of Jason Isbell's 30 Best Songs, another project that was born of Twitter. Um, we love interacting on social media, especially on Twitter. I'm pretty active over there. So if you want to say hi, uh, you know, give us some, some kind words or some feedback, that would be awesome. Uh, tell a friend about the show. There's a, that's a huge way to help. It's free and it's easy. Give us a subscribe on your podcast app and a five-star rating. If you're so inclined, um, that makes a big difference for us as well. Um, most folks learn about the show by word of mouth. Uh, so, you know, speaking of spreading the word, we have other ways to do that. We have new hats. They will be arriving in late May, but you can pre-order now and I'll ship one out as soon as they arrive. It's a black and white hat made by Dome Hats out of Jacksonville Beach, Florida. I wanted something I could wear regularly and be excited to wear. And this is, is definitely that. If you really like what we're doing, 
please consider joining our Patreon community for just a few bucks a month. You can gain access to Patreon exclusive content like our show Jason's Journey, where I talk about the moments that shape my creative life. Um, we also release sneak peeks of forthcoming episodes or even entire conversations over there with um, with other creatives that maybe aren't recorded for the broader audience but are stri- strictly for our Patreon community. We also just interact more deeply with the show. Um and I often take questions over there. Uh, we check in on each other. It's a really, really cool place. Uh, so if you can swing it, that would be great. Um, if you don't want to make that commitment and you just want to show appreciation for a particular episode, we have a Venmo at the Marinade. Uh, I understand that folks are going through it right now. So please don't feel any obligation to do any of that. I'm going to keep doing this show regardless. It is. Uh, it gives me so much joy. And uh, the episode's... We'll continue to to come out as often as I can. We're on a pace of about once a week. We have Michael McDermott and the band Rookie both coming up. Um, and then I got some other cool stuff in the works. So stay tuned to all our socials and to marinadepodcast.com for updates. Okay, enough business. Let's talk about what I'm getting down on, the segment of the show where I talk about the art that is inspiring me at the moment. Lots and lots of records on my radar. Lots and lots of new releases. Lucinda Williams has a new record. Uh, her masterpiece, Car Wheels on a Gravel Road, was my introduction to Lucinda many years ago. I don't say this lightly. I think her new record, Good Souls, Better Angels, is is my favorite thing that she's done. It is a big, bluesy, hopeful, brash, rebellious rock record. Um, There's a really cool piece on highwayqueens.com written by Michelle Lindsay about the record that I recommend you check out and then listen to the album, man. It's it's just wonderful. A good friend, Jordan Foley, has a couple new singles. He was actually able to get in the studio and record a couple of things uh, during this crisis. Two of, I would say they are my favorite of his songs. I, I like Jordan's music a lot, and and um, I care about the person a great deal as well. But this this is it. Like this is the best thing he's done, and and I think he's he's got a whole record full of great songs on Give to Get a Day. But this is these two are the best, and you can find um, those. You can actually order those before they hit streaming sites, um, and and get them early. Uh, on Facebook, you can connect with Jordan or on Instagram. He's pretty active on both of those channels right there. So um, check those out. Highly recommend them. I'm not sure when he's going to release the singles themselves, but they are just great, great, um, great songs. I've also been listening to a fair amount of hip hop. Pink Sifu is the the artist I've been listening to the most recently. Just trying to continue to branch out. I'm, I think I saw... Something on Pitchfork, I don't know. Somebody wrote about him, and uh, I started listening to his records. And uh, it's just real uh, adventurous, just real adventurous stuff. He's all over the place, and he's got a lot to say. So Pink Sifu, I highly recommend you checking out. Just so much great music right now, y'all. And I'm so grateful for everybody who listens to this show and who interacts over on uh, on social media or sends us emails or tells friends about the show. Um, just thank you so much, everybody. This was a- another honor. And uh, until next time, if you can do it, go out and create something. Please don't put pressure on yourself. Regardless, cheers, y'all.